Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. A couple of years ago I had an idea for a project. It was to do with reviews of comic books and their offshoots, comic book films, TV shows and so on. I recorded one episode, an interview with Mag Carroll, around the time that 2000 AD published issue number 2000. It ended up not happening because other things intervened, specifically the Charlton Tribunal, which took up my time for the best part of a year. But that audio file's been lying around on my computer for a while, and here it is. It's a little bit longer than the other episodes you've heard so far here, but I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Moving Pictures, a programme about comics and comic offshoots on film and TV screens. Joining us today to talk about his own work and that of others is Michael Carroll, author and Judge Dredd writer. Yeah, I, I got into comics the way most people do, I guess. Uh, being a kid, finding something that I liked. I, I do recall my, um, my dad bringing home a copy of, I think it was A Mighty World of Marvel. I would have been around 1974, 73 or 74, uh, very early days. And I remember um, being very impressed with The Incredible Hulk. And I'm pretty sure Spider-Man was in that issue as well. This was before um, Spider-Man Comics Weekly, if you recall, the Marvel UK reprints from back in the day. But anyway, yeah. So loved loved comics. from that age, got into the Marvel UK stuff big time when the Avengers was uh, reprinted, and then uh, then I read Warlord and Bullet and Battle and things like that, and Action. I remember Action, which was very violent. Um, and then 2008 arrived, and that was the big thing for me because I was a big science fiction buff, and uh, it arrived. 2008 arrived. Uh, I was just about a month away from turning um, 11, so. It's a perfect age for it. Uh, in those days, it was aimed at you know my sort of age group, and and now it still is because even thirty eight and a bit years later, thirty nine and a bit years later, two thousand has moved on, and it's sort of grown up with the readers, which means of course that um, he's now uh, been a judge for um, getting close to sixty years on the streets of Mega City One, which is yeah he's he um, he's he's been around the block several times. In fact. He was around the block before the block was there. Back when the block was just fields, Dread was there. Um, so he's been he's been around. Um, and of course, he, the younger judges, refer to him as the old man because to them that's what he is. He's uh, he's an older guy. He's very um, very much the, uh, the 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 elder statesman, if you like. Um, which of course is great because Dread as a character doesn't change the way most characters would. He he, he doesn't um, have a character arc as such. In the same way that, say, Batman might or, or someone else, uh, Dread changes very, very slowly. He is—he's the old dog who doesn't learn new tricks quite so easily. But uh, that's what makes him an interesting character. He's—he's—he's um, he's, he's, he's grumpy, he's crotchety, and he's usually right about everything, which is uh, also what makes him fun. I always think of Dread as um, Clint Eastwood. In the old days, he used to be Clint Eastwood in, in the uh, the man with no name, you know, the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly, and films like that. And now. Dread is Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino, so uh, he's just a grumpy old man. But again, always right. So he's a, he's a huge amount of fun to write. Even 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 though the judges are basically, um, in a lot of cases, judges are the bad guys. Dread is um, he's the ultimate anti-hero in that sense. 
Well, I deliberately skipped Dirty Harry because he, I think he's too obvious a comparison. <laughs> Dirty Harry um, inspired a character called uh, One Eye Jack in uh, Action Comics. And that One Eye, One Eye Jack was uh, created by um, John Magner, who went on to create, uh, or to co create George Dredd. So, um, yeah, so One Eye Jack is, in many ways, One Eye Jack is Dredd's daddy, if you like, his forebear. Um, he's a prototype George Dredd. Uh, only, you know, on the streets of, of then-present-day New York, so it was 1976, around about the time when Dirty Harry was big and, and you know, uh, making making waves. So, effectively, that's that's where Dredd comes from. He's the, the hard, uncompromising, tough cop, except Dredd's in the future. Damnation Alley. Everything man remembers is gone. Everything he has achieved is forgotten. Every place he has lived has become a wasteland, desolate, barren. And these five survivors may be the only humans left alive. Together, they will attempt a journey into the unknown. Uh, so Pat Mills, who wrote The Curse of Earth, which, by the way, is out now, as of like a couple of days ago, I think, in the, the for the first time ever, in the full uncensored version. So it's fantastic. Can anybody get, get you... If you get hold of a copy, get one. Um, but, yeah, the Christian Earth was yeah, it was clearly damnation alley. It was basically a trek across a, a radiated future America. Um, they uh, yeah, a lot of two thousand years stuff was in the early days was definitely um, inspired. And I'm using air quotes there for those people who are listening at home in black and white. Um, using air quotes to say inspired, it was ripped off in a lot of ways from stuff that was on TV. Um, Flesh was a story about dinosaurs in the future, or sorry, cowboys from the future hunting dinosaurs. Though I do like the idea of dinosaurs in the future hunting cowboys. But anyway, so Flesh was basically um, the Valley of the Guanji, which had dinosaurs and um, cowboys together. Uh, Invasion was a standard, more or less standard war story, uh, dumped into the future. Uh, Six Million Dollar Man became Mac One, and so on. Um, the Harlem Heroes was the Harlem Globetrotters, except they had jetpacks. Jonathan E., that's the name. You know how the game serves us. It has a definite social purpose. It's not a game a man is supposed to grow strong in, Jonathan. Rollerball was a direct um, inspiration for uh, a game called Spinball, which appeared in action. That was Death Game 1999. The game was, uh, that was a series, sorry, the strip was called Death Game. And... Um, yeah, the uh, the game was basically it was um, it was rollerball. There was no doubt about it. But after the Harlem Heroes quit doing their aeroball with their jetpacks and so forth, they did a, another game called Inferno, which had motorbikes and basically that was close to rollerball. My um, God, I know all. Of, how do I know all of this stuff? Oh yeah, I have no life. Um, well, I I've been writing for a long time. I used to. Um, used to be heavily involved in, in the Irish Science Fiction Association. Um, and in that association there, we had a, um, a fiction magazine, and I wrote some stuff for that, and then I ended up editing the magazine and so on. Uh, bit by bit, I started writing more and more short stories. Back then in 1991, at uh, the Octacon Convention in, in Dunleary, I met the Irish writer Michael Scott. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. And he said, well, why don't you? Quite abruptly and quite rudely, I thought. And, and I went, oh. And I was taken aback. But he, 
he actually had the exact right approach. So many people say, oh, I've always wanted to write a book or I always wanted to do whatever. There was nothing stopping me apart from laziness. So I, I wrote a book based on one of my short stories and that eventually, it was a young adult novel, it, it sold and, and so on. Long story short, I got I was writing books, uh, but always wanted to do comics, I did some small press stuff here and there. And eventually I started writing a column for um, a 2000 AD review website called 2000 AD Review. I wrote a column um, that would appear every month or so. It was mostly about 2000 AD, but it was a lot of daft jokes and silly bits put in there. And uh, then I, well, let me see. Uh, yeah, I did about uh, 20 or so of those. And then I started writing the same column, or similar column anyway, for the Judge Dread magazine. Um, so that was my like professional way in the door. And then sold a few uh, Future Shocks, which are short one-off tales for 2000 AD. Um, and then eventually I was, after not too many of them actually, I was asked to pitch um, ideas for Judge Red. So I, I was very lucky. Um, I got in I got in quite quickly by some respects. Um, some people write 2008 or write other comics for years before they get asked to pitch anything for Dread. Um, I got in the door quite easily. But then of course I'd published over a million words, in, in well over a million words, in other books uh, by that stage. So I was I was I was established writer, if not necessarily established comic book writer. Eight hundred million people living in the ruin of the old world. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Uh, my favourite is uh, Judge Joyce. Uh, Judge Joyce was uh, is the, the my character. Judge Joyce is the son of the original Judge Joyce, created by Garth Ennis and uh, Steve Dillon and Will Simpson back in nineteen mumbo. I can never remember when it was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, uh, since straight ages in real time, I wanted to bring back an Irish judge. I couldn't have it be the same Judge Joyce because he would have aged as indeed Judge Dredd aged, but. Um, I decided uh, to make him the, the my character, the son of, of uh, the original Judge Joyce. Um, the Irish judges are able to um, have families, unlike the uh, the judges in Mega City One, where Dread lives, where they're supposed to be celibate, uh, supposed to be celibate. Let's say they aren't always, but um, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, Judge Joyce is my favourite. I think because he's um, he started off quite naive. Um, not really knowing his way. He was originally an Irish judge. He comes to Mega City One to retrain. As a Mega City One judge, and uh, he's 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 coming into his own now. He's he's he's, he's starting to um, to to find his way around, if you like, not just geographically but socially as well. So he's working quite well. I I, I like him. He's also got a, a a very sly sense of humour that Dread doesn't have. So uh, I, I like that aspect of him. I would I would I would actually I don't like to go for for someone like Michael Fassbender to play him, but Fassbender's actually too old to play Judge Joyce now. My Judge Joyce. So that's a shame. Um, bu- 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 you know, I don't know enough. A young Irish actress, probably one of those young fellas who's doing something other. Yeah, so I, it, it, I often used to, when I, was, when I was writing, I used to always try and picture different actors playing various characters. But now it's at the stage where um, I just don't bother anymore. Especially because for, forever I was trying to think of the, the best guy to be George Dredd. Um, this would be before Carl Urban um, was ever involved. And... Uh, but as soon as I 
as soon as he was cast, I went, yeah, that race is finished now. Yeah. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, yeah. It was on TV again last night on Telfor. And, uh, and we started watching it and sort of couldn't stop. I, I mean, even though I've, I've got the, um, the, the, the Blu-ray and the, and the DVD here, and I've watched them, I've watched the film 20 times. Still, I keep watching it. It's a great movie. They nailed the character of Dread so perfectly. In that. I am the law! It wasn't a terrible Stallone film. It just wasn't a good George Dread film. They got the Mean Machine right. He was good. But other than that, oh, they didn't understand the character. I, I don't mind Rob Schneider in general. I mean, he always made a lot of bad movies. But just in that film, it was like, no. We didn't need him there. He didn't. Sometimes you need a, you need a comic psychic in a way. Um, to be the eyes uh, through which the the viewer can watch a movie or a TV show or read a book, whatever. The comedy like it can be a useful tool. Um, in this case, he was just a tool. Of course, in the urban film, the audience proxy is Judge Anderson. Uh, she's a young rookie judge, and as such, she still has the ability to react to and be shocked by the violence, just as the audience would be. Yeah, exactly, yes. Plus, she, she was played as a person and not as a, a token female character. Um, she she didn't have a, um, a uniform with a boob window. She didn't have, um, you know, high-heeled boots or any of that nonsense. Though even, <laughs> I, some some of the artists have drawn Anderson and Hershey and all that with, and the other female judges with high-heeled boots, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that, and I really don't like the... Um, the, the fan art of Anderson, where she basically looks like she's smuggling twin dirigibles in her tunic, you know? I don't like that at all. Judges should not be sexualized. They should be scary. You know, I mean, scary as in, you, know, you don't know what they're going to do on you, rather than scary as in ugly. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I love George Anderson as a character, but the, the, when she's treated as a sex object, she stops being interesting and starts being dull. That's why I like her um, when she's written by Alan Grant or someone like that, you know. Uh, but um, yeah, no, the, um, the 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 2012 Dread movie was pretty good, but it 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 wasn't the only good depiction of of Judge Dread and so forth on screen because there was Judge Minty as well. Have you seen that? The short fan movie Judge Minty. I, I would call it that, yes. Okay. Uh, so that was. Pretty good. I did. I have to say, the the guys who put the film together, the directors and the director uh, slash producer, and the all those guys basically, um, they did a huge amount of work. I I I did a tiny amount of work, but I still get the credit. So that's pretty nice. <laughs> no money, but credit. Yeah. I'm afraid I've had to put in an adverse report, Minty. Your reactions are slowing, and your judgment is faulty. Don't do it, son. I don't want to kill you. You no longer meet the minimum requirement for an active street judge. When you get old, you start getting strange notions. Like maybe people aren't so bad. Maybe. If we treat them with kindness, the good in them will come out.
Guess that's when you know. It's time to quit. You're retiring with honor, Bill. You've earned the right to teach at the Academy of Law. I've been on the streets too long, Joe. There's only one way for me. So, um, there's a fellow called Steven Serracini in, in the UK who uh, decided he wanted to make a fan movie based on the George Minty story. So, uh, what he did is he, he wrote a short treatment, uh, about nine pages or so, um, put together some graphics. He knew some people who worked on costumes and, and so on. Uh, he worked with a guy called um, Steve Green, who's a CGI expert. And they, um, they put together like a little presentation, as it were. Um, not in film, just, you know, photographs and mocked up things and all that. Um, and Steve Tarantini, the director, came to me and said, you know, this was a, uh, at a convention in Inverness. He said, would you take a look at this script? Just, you know, just want your opinion on it. Because he, he knew me as a writer. Then. Even, I don't think I had any, any dread stuff by then. He knew me as a writer. And he said, would you have a look at this? And uh, just, you know, give me your opinion. So I got back to him after I'd read it and said, you yeah, know, this is great. You can do this, you can do that. And we somehow come up with the idea that I would write a version of the screenplay uh, based on his treatment and then they would work from that. So that's effectively what we did. Um, his original screenplay, or his original treatment was nine nine pages. Or it was, They were looking for like a sort of 10 minute film. And by the time I was done with it, it was like 25 minutes or something. Because I thought, well, He's writing this with the idea that he's going to pay for it himself. So he's worried about the budget. I'm not worried about the budget. I put everything in there. Um, so I put in huge sequences that he probably Stephen mightn't have put in, let's say, because he, uh, again, worried about the budget. I didn't care. I put all the big things in. And then somehow they made most of them happen anyway. They managed to get ways to, to make it work. So they filmed it over a long period of time. They got a proper actor in uh, Emma Dean to play Judge Minty. And um, it is, uh, it's a great little film, I think. I mean, I know I, I'm biased because I was uh, peripherally involved in it. But uh, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's, um, it's far better than most fan movies are ever going to see, I think. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And some of the special effects are astonishing. And the acting is great. And, you know, it is, um, it's a huge amount of fun. And again, my 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 involvement was 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 quite small, so I, I can't take any real credit, um, even though I'd like to, because I deserve to. <laughs> We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you Robocop. If you, if you check out the behind-the-scenes footage on, on the Robocop DVD, it shows a prototype version of Robocop, and he is basically Judge Dredd. There is no doubt about it. I mean, absolutely no doubt it's Judge Dredd. But apparently, the story is that um, the powers that be wanted to make a Judge Dredd movie, um, and whoever it was, it was it was behind the scenes um, in the production company went, well, we could you know take the idea of it of this ultra tough futuristic judge and you know make our own rather than have to pay someone else the uh, license fee. No, I don't know how true that is, but that's what we've heard. The first judge or the first uh, Robocop movie is a masterpiece in terms of the satire and the horror and the, the, the violence. It's so 2018, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, it's it, you know, 
surprised that they weren't um, there wasn't court cases asked about it. You know, it was uh, it's so 2008. But um, subsequent Robocop movies have been made entirely out of pants. I've noticed. Even even the second and third ones, which are written by Frank Miller, are just rubbish. So, um, well, okay, the second one has some redeeming features. The third one doesn't, and the remake is just pointless. It was on the planet Skarum that my old enemy, the Master, was finally put on trial. They say he listened calmly as his list of evil crimes was read and sentence passed. Then he made his last, and I thought somewhat curious request. He demanded that I should take his remains back to our home planet, Gallifrey. You have two hearts. Who are you? The, the people who created the Doctor Who movie failed to realise that they didn't need to explain everything. They, like with, with, with Dread 2012, they didn't explain huge amounts of Dread's backstory or anything like that. They, they had nothing. They just said, these are judges. America is radio. Yeah, yeah, you don't well, at the, at the 95 Dread movie, there was a card voiceover by James Earl Jones, of all people, and all that. But again, it wasn't necessary. People don't need to be told it's the future. There's flying cars, you know. <laughs> that's a good indication that it's the future. <laughs> but that's that. That's just the situation when you get movies made by committee. The Dread 2012 movie was made by a tiny company it wasn't made in hollywood so there wasn't a, a, a thousand people all trying to make their mark by by you know adjusting the movie here and there it was just a um just a film and that's why it worked i think but again i mean i'm, I'm biased obviously with that film I, I i i loved it thought it was going to be perfect anyway so i was right um I, well i'm not a screenwriter i i, I mean they, I've, I've done a few bits and pieces so uh they did they, they presumably they'd go to the first thing they do is they they go and find a showrunner if they're going to do a Netflix type thing or something. Um, cause like um, oh, what's his name? The guy, the guy who did there, Stephen Denight or something like that. Um, they presume that that would be the first approach. You find a showrunner and then the showrunner gets the thing off the ground. But no, I no, I certainly haven't been approached for it like that. Um, I I would be the wrong person to approach at this stage. I mean, maybe as a writer. But that will be much later down the road. To be honest, I, 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 a lot of people keep talking about this as if it's definitely going to happen. Um, there is, to best of my knowledge, there's no absolute. There's nothing actually signed or anything. It's a few people wanting it to happen. I'd like to do it the way they did Daredevil, um, the the TV show, because that was magnificent. Uh, and and uh, Jessica Jones is even better. I'd like to see something like that. But um, I don't know. Uh, if they do anything else, it will be, be nice. When I was a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to live somewhere far away from Hell's Kitchen. But I realized the city was a part of me. It was in my blood. And I would do anything to make it a better place. Good and evil. Sometimes the difference between the two is a sharp line. Sometimes it's a blur. Sometimes we have to do things outside of the law. Actually, what's going to happen is Netflix are going to make The Punisher. And that's going to be very close to Dread in terms of tone, I would imagine. Mm. I could be wrong. But that's how, mentally, that's how I I picture The Punisher uh, movie being. The Punisher TV show. Um, So we'll we'll see. Not that I'm I'm, I'm not in any way criticizing um, The Punisher. For that, because I'm a huge 
huge fan of the Punisher character, and I thought John Bernthal was brilliant. Do you have a favourite comic book, TV show, or movie? Well, I have I have all of them because it's it is actually um, you know a huge hobby of mine to collect these things. Um, I have all of them. I've got I've got the, the Doctor Strange made for TV movie on on uh, which came out on VHS a few years ago. I've got everything. Um, so favorites. Well, I tell you something. One film that is absolutely knockout is The Road to Perdition, which is just stunning. Uh, based on the book by by Max Alan Collins, I think. Um, that is fantastic. Starring Tom Hanks, um, Daniel Craig, um, and that's an amazing film. I thought I was working for you. I wasn't. You think I'd give up my son? He was betraying you. I know. Now listen to me. I tried to avoid more bloodshed. You wouldn't accept that, so I did what was necessary. But I've always loved you like a son. And now I'm telling you, leave before it's too late. Think. Think. And they're protecting him now. But when you're gone, they're not going to need him anymore. This ends with Connor dead, no matter what. That may be. But you are asking me to give you the key to his room so you can walk in, put a gun to his head and pull the trigger, and I can't do that. He murdered Annie and Peter. There are only murderers in this room. Michael, open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see heaven. Michael could then do everything that you can to see that that happens. Leave, I'm begging you. It's the only way. And if I go? Then I will mourn the son I lost. I have a very soft spot for Wanted, which is kind of based on the Mark, I think it's Mark Miller story, isn't it? Um, Wanted is a terribly, horribly over-the-top cheesy movie that I just adore. Um, that they're particularly good ones. But, I mean, most of the Marvel ones, I the, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, I love them because I grew up, as I said, reading the Marvel comics and um, they, they were the sort of films I used to dream about you know they were the films i wanted to be able to see when i was eight or nine and ten years old and of course now we can and so they they made a huge amount to me as well uh but i suppose i have to pick one or two out of the of the best well i love the um batman begins and the dark knight are great films the third one was pants um the, 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 let me see uh oh um thor the first thor movie I know a lot of people don't have a huge amount of love for it, but I do. I think that's a fantastic film. Um, um, gosh, I know it's, it's it's really hard to pick out just one or two. I could talk about this for days. So um, I haven't watched a huge amount of the DC TV stuff yet. We've seen... Um, so I got bored with Arrow. So the first season of that, I just, well, no, sorry, the second season was just starting and I went, oh, Still flashing back to that bloody island. I'm not interested. But I've been told by, by people with better knowledge than I that it is well worth persevering and it's great. Um, the Flash as well kind of lost track 
I'm not sure what we were watching that, missed a few episodes, sort of lost the flow of it, never got back into it. And I do want to because I'm a huge fan of the character of the Flash. Uh, I, uh, st- I still still love uh, the original Barry Allen stories and well, the, the original, but I love all the Barry Allen stuff and all that. Um, what else is there? Oh, the Legends of Tomorrow is new. We saw the first episode and went, yeah, that's rubbish. Didn't bother with the rest of it. Um, again, I've been told I should continue with that one. Persevere with it. Um, I know I'm missing something. Oh, yeah, Supergirl. Yeah. So, yeah, saw the pilot. I went, eh. It's something I will catch up with at some point. Um, I mean, I like all the, the people involved. I just uh, haven't really... I haven't been arsed to watch it. <laughs> I might not say that. Supergirl? We can't name her that. We didn't. Right. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, I, I don't want to minimize the importance of this. A female superhero. Shouldn't she be called super woman? I'm sorry, darling. I just can't hear you over the loud color of your cheap pants. If, if we call her Supergirl, something less than what she is, doesn't that make us guilty of, of being anti-feminist? Didn't you say she was a hero? I'm the hero. I stuck a label on the side of this girl. I branded her. She will forever be linked to Catco, to the Tribune, to me. And what do you think is so bad about girl? I'm a girl. And you're boss, and powerful, and rich, and hot, and smart. So if you perceive Supergirl as anything less than excellent, isn't the real problem you? But of the of the Marvel stuff, I really enjoyed um, the Netflix shows. So that's uh, Jessica Jones, which is brilliant, and Daredevil, also brilliant. Um, I, I'm very soft spot for Agents of Shield, even though it has at times lost its way a little bit. Um, they do great end of season cliffhangers that you never see coming. They're uh, really really well done. Um, and what else is there? Oh, Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, very disappointed it's cancelled. A, re- a real shame. I just thought they did a, a very good job on that. It was, it was very smart and good fun. We now return to the Captain America Adventure Program, in which our hero's defenseless sweetheart finds herself in the clutches of evil. That's the Peggy Carter I need. When Howard came to me, I was damn happy to see him. I'd been wallowing in it since the war, wondering why no one would give Agent Peggy Carter a shot. You are a credit to your profession. Run, Peggy, run! If the men in your office can't see that, then they're fools. Not bad for a girl. These men you call your colleagues, they don't respect you. They don't even see you. Do you honestly expect they'll change their minds? I expect I will make them. <laughs> We've all grown up and we have we, we have uh, earned a few quid, so we're not... Um, well, actually, no, some of us haven't grown up. We've grown older. I'm glad I made that distinction there. <laughs> I wonder about the demographics for any of those shows. I never know if I fit into them or not. I can't really tell. But I, and I just... And I suppose, like most of us, I, I know what I like. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to see more Supergirl. I liked the um, principal characters, definitely. 
a principal actress. And I I didn't see enough of um of the show. Like I said, it was only the it was only the pilot it was yeah, it was just the pilot it was the only one we watched and yes, uh the um I, I don't know, the, the one problem I used to have with a TV superhero TV back in the day was that they all every show followed the same formula. And back in the nineties, I'm gonna say, I wrote uh, an article um which is basically a spoof episode guide, generic superhero TV show episode guide. I think that's still on my website somewhere. Um, and it it explained how uh, basically, you know, every episode had a, this was taken from like the original Flash series from the nineties and Lois and Clark and all that, where every show had the same bits over and over. It was there was the um, the the alternative universe episode. There's the episode where. And the superhero loses his powers, and but his girlfriend gets the powers, and that kind of thing. Um, and I've always, I've always had this thing in my mind with the um, the, the DC shows in particular that they're going to just follow those formulas. I, I, I'm going to dig my my list out again and, and see is it still accurate. But it was very accurate for for what the shows that we had back in the nineties. Um, younger viewers won't remember the nineties, but there you go. Um, but yeah, there was, there was this problem that the, every show had uh, a formula because they were being written in those days by people who didn't know anything about comics other than the uh, the, the, the Wampow um, headlines, you know? The, the shock and surprise that comics aren't just for kids anymore. The same kind of approach was taken by the writers. Uh, so in those days, yeah, so it's rubbish. The, 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 there's a TV show called Preacher Mm-hmm. And it used to be a comic called Preacher. And you could, if you squint and concentrate really hard, you can almost pretend that the Preacher TV show is based on the comic. But it's not really shows. But then there's so many things I still haven't seen. Um, even outside the, um, the science fiction slash fantasy slash horror genre, there's so many things I should have seen but I haven't. I've never seen The Wire. I've never seen um, Sopranos. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes you can't catch all of these things. Best show ever um, at the moment um, is, well, is, um, think of me, uh, 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 ah, you know the thing where your brain suddenly goes blank and you cannot remember the name of, okay, it doesn't matter, it'll come back to me. Um, oh yeah, wait, got it, elementary. Sherlock Holmes. Joan Watson. I've decided to resume my work as a consultant here. Consider every wretched hive of depravity and murder in this city my place of business. Unless, of course, you don't think you have a stomach for the work I do. I'm good. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, absolutely love it. Um, one of those shows that I just cannot miss. It is so good. Um, and I never expected to like it because I'm a, I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. Um, so I thought, you know, yeah, 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 someone else is messing with the, uh, the formula. But they just did such a good job. It's, it's, it's so hard to not like that show, I think. Um, it's, it's obviously it's not within the science fiction type genre, but ah, oh, brilliant piece of work, you know. John Lee Miller is amazing, and Lucy Liu is just, uh, well, as always, just incredible. Um, but it's one of those shows where, like, 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 you get one every couple of years that is just so good that you cannot believe everybody isn't talking about it all the time. But again, it could be that it's one of those ones that only works in a certain context or for certain people or whatever. So it's a very, very underappreciated show. Um, I just, I, I'm amazed that um, more people aren't talking about it all the time. I mean, much as I do like the 
British Sherlock Holmes, um, the new one. I and I I'm a huge fan of all the people involved in that one as well. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as um, as Elementary. I think Elementary is so street ahead of it. It's just so. I mean, I do like it, but there was a few episodes in the last season where it was just rubbish. Um, I, I say a few. There's only three episodes per season, but there was a few. There was well, at least one anyway where I was just going, nope. They are phoning this in because they know they don't have to try, and that is a bad thing for a TV show. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> Also right, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so elementary has never done that. I mean, there've been a few, yes, there've been a few duds, but because it's got however many more episodes, twenty twenty two episodes per season as opposed to three, they have a bit more elbow room, so they can afford to have a few duds. I mean, it's not great that they have duds, but you know most shows do. Um, but yeah, the um, the Stephen Moffat one. Um, yeah, there's a few very, very weak episodes in that. Yeah. But again, I mean, maybe they're giving people what they want, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, wait, no. Um, that said, um, Stephen Moffat wrote one of the best ever sitcoms on television that was um, Coupling, mm. which started off as a kind of a Friends clone, and it actually is, when you get right down to it, there are moments of pure brilliance in that. But he, he, I don't know, I mean, he, he's, uh, he's a great structuralist, He's able to put together stories like no one else. Would you pitch a story to Doctor Who yourself? Ah, yeah, I would if I could. Yeah, I've got a few awesome ideas. They're awesome in my head. That doesn't mean they're going to be awesome by the time I come to write them. Um, that's one of the problems with coming as a writer is that it, it you always imagine that, that everything you think of is going to be brilliant, and then you actually come to write it and you go, oh, hang on, now. I'm subconsciously stealing this from someone else, and that's happened to to me more times than I could care to mention or you find out that something you've written is is um is nowhere near as good in by the time you get to the end of it as it was in your imagination um which is probably the best way to be as a writer because otherwise if you if you're sort of satisfied with everything you've written then you never learn so maybe it's good to always be not doubting yourself but certainly questioning yourself i don't know uh that's going to be philosophical for this hour of the day but uh yeah I anyway, anyway, yeah, so what are we all agreed on? Okay, we're all agreed that I'm better than Neil Gaiman. No, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that because Neil Gaiman wrote Sandman and Sandman is, well, uh, I don't know if it's the best comic ever written, but it's up there. So I uh, can't criticise him for that. I, well, you know what? Okay, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm jealous of Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I'm so jealous. A couple of years ago... Um, this is this isn't even his fault. A couple of years ago, I was on uh, late night, very late night, and I was on Twitter uh, for whatever reason, just checking my feeds, and all of a sudden, I spotted that Neil Gaiman had basically tweeted, uh, you know, that he was going to bed, good night, sort of thing, and it got retweeted like fifty times, and I just went, oh for fuck's sake, how? How can the rest of us ever hope to get anywhere in writing terms if if they retweet his good night more than they retweet, you know, the launch of a new book by another writer, you know? And I went, that's just not fair. We don't get a chance. I mean, for example, um, I have uh, I have a book that came out a couple of years ago. I think it's the best thing I've ever written. Um, it's it's, it's a um, 
an action horror story based on a um, it's, it's sort of um, inspired by if like a graphic novel by John Higgins. Um, and I, I just think it's brilliant fun. Now, of course, I'm biased, but then, you know, I'm also right. Brilliant fun. Trying to get people to even review it. And I've sent freebie copies to reviewers and they still won't read it. Everybody who's read it loves it so far. Couldn't even read it. It's murder. And then you get someone like Neil Gaiman who come along and he's saying goodnight and people will retweet that as if he'd made some proclamation from the mountain. I go, we have got a chance. It's not Mr. Gaiman's fault. He is a great guy and, and I've never met him, but I want to and I know he'd love me. But it's not fair. I'd like, sorry. Uh, forgive the rant. <laughs> it's not fair. I shouldn't pick on him. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> I'm just jealous. But the first game and thing I ever really encountered was, uh, no, the second one. The first one was um, Don't Panic, which was his book about Douglas Adams, which is a uh, huge amount of fun. But uh, Neverwhere was a brilliant idea. Um, Neverwhere it was made into a BBC show and they kind of screwed it up because they filmed it on, on video and you know that look that films that, that the shows have when they're filmed on video it looks washed out and cheap and flat and everything like that and it, it, it was such a great idea and so so well produced otherwise that it, it, they just ruined it um, a real shame actually I'd like to see there, there's been talk of a, of a proper remake of that and that's one that would be high on my list to see but, uh, yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen. But let me go on to gaming. Oh, yeah, I was being jealous. <laughs> I, I've had two, two my doctors, as it were, because my first real encounter with Doctor Who was in the um, the comic books. Uh, it was in TV21 or whatever, published in the 70s. Um, and uh, my... my my barbers, they used to have piles of comics. And I, I used to, so I got familiar with Doctor Who from them. And then years later, um, I saw the TV show. Well, it wasn't years later. It felt like years later. I saw the TV show. So uh, I saw the last few John Pertwee's and then he became Tom Baker. So kind of both Tom and uh, John Pertwee are my doctor, which is weird. I had sort of very different um, impressions of them both. But uh, John Pertwee was, was, was so good. I'd still love to see his son do it one day, you know. Can I help you? A mug of tea, please. Cold night tonight. Yes, it is bitter, very bitter. Where's Harry? Visiting his missus. She's in hospital. Of course. It'll be twins. Mm. Your tea. Sugar? Ah, a decision. Would it make any difference? Would make your tea sweet? Yes, but beyond the confines of my taste buds, would it make any difference? Not really. But... Yeah? What if I could control people's taste buds? What if I decided that no one would take sugar? That'd make a difference to those who sell the sugar and those who cut the cane. My father, he was a cane cutter. Exactly. Now, if no one had used sugar, your father wouldn't have been a cane cutter. If this sugar thing had never started, my great-grandfather wouldn't have been kidnapped chained up and sold in Kingston in the first place. I'd be an African. See? Every great decision creates ripples. Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. The ripples merge, rebound off the banks in unforeseeable ways. The heavier the decision, 
The larger the waves, the more uncertain the consequences. Life's like that. Best thing is just to get on with it. For the Doctor Who 50th anniversary, the, uh, the Night of the Doctor was a brilliant piece of work. Did you see it? Help me, please. Can anybody hear me? Please take the nature of your ailment or injury. I'm not injured, I'm crashing. I don't need a doctor. A clear statement of your symptoms will help us provide the medical practitioner appropriate to your individual needs. I'm trying to send a distress signal. Stop talking about doctors. I'm a doctor. But probably not the one you're expecting. It, it was it was so good though the bit where uh, the, the girls on the question ship and and she calls for the emergency thing and you know and uh, she says I don't need a doctor and you hear the voice saying I'm a doctor but perhaps not the one you were expecting yeah. and I mean because no one knew that was coming my jaw just dropped open I was watching it here live on the something uh, not live uh, yeah online on the BBC site just as it was as it came out and I was buzzing for the whole day and. Dying for my wife to come home so I could show her. So I could say, wait, have you seen the news? She goes, uh, no, what? I said, no, no, it's not a bad thing. Have you watched any news? No. And okay, she looked at down, watched this, say nothing. And uh, she almost squealed with delight because, you know, she um, is a huge fan of Paul McGann from even before Doctor Who. So it was a, to my mind, that was one of the best things I've ever seen on television because we didn't see it coming. And it wasn't spoiled by a thousand bloody idiots on the web. So, uh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you very much for talking to me. Maybe I'll talk to you again later. Absolutely, Jared. Thanks very much. And hopefully, um, this will all come out nice and clear. If not, sure. Well, we can record it again, I'm sorry. <laughs>